G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Hello, my name is Bill, and welcome to Today with Jeff Fines. We're continuing in the series called The Resistance, and we're completing Pastor Jeff's message about truth, lies, and financial freedom. He reminds us not to underestimate the power of Satan and his desire to take hold of all areas in our lives. Here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of this message. I go back to the lady that's on the mat in Zimbabwe in 2008, I believe. We went over when Zimbabwe was in complete financial ruin. Uh, They actually printed a uh, $500 trillion bill. A $500 trillion bill is the highest inflation known to man since civilization began. And that wouldn't even buy you a loaf of bread. And we went out to the rural areas and I wanted to interview some of the people who were struggling. So we took a camera, went out to Chittimoyo Hospital, and I told the guys, let's go out into the village. Let's meet some people. First person we met, there was an old lady, probably 70-some years old, seated on a mat. The totality of her existence was a mud hut about as big as this part of the stage right here. That's where she lived. She had one goat, and she'd go down to the river three miles away to get water every day, and her food was a bowl of meal every day. Okay. I sat down on the mat beside her and through a translator, I asked her, okay, if we could get you anything that you needed or wanted, what is the one thing we could help you with? What, 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 what could get you? And I thought this was going to be a benevolent video, right? We're going to do something fantastic. She snaps back through the translator. Everything I truly want, I already have. So I'm intrigued. I said, what, what is it? What is it? What is she? And she said, well, it's not a what, it's a who. I have Jesus. When you have Jesus, he's all you need. So here is this woman who has nothing, who's in poverty, and she's happy because she says all she really needs is Jesus, and when you have him, you don't need anything else. The Minerth and Meyer Clinic is supposed to be the top psychologists, psychiatrists on the planet, right? They wrote a book called Happiness is a Choice, and in the book, they say that many people choose happiness, but they never find it, and the reason is is because they look in the wrong places. They seek for an inner peace and joy, never find it. They seek for happiness and materialism, don't find it. They seek for joy and sexual prowess, but end up with fleeting pleasures and a bitter long-term disappointment. They seek inner fulfillment by obtaining positions of power in corporations, in communities, in their own families, 
They remain unfulfilled. And then they go on to say, millionaire businessmen come to my clinic. They tell me that they have big houses, yachts, and condominiums. They say they have nice children, a beautiful mistress, an unsuspecting wife, and secure corporate positions. Yet they have suicidal tendencies. They want to kill themselves. They have everything this world has to offer except one thing they are seeking the most. They cannot find inner peace and joy. I think of King Solomon. Here's a man of great wealth. He killed 30 oxen and 100 sheep every day to feed 14,000 people in his palace. How would you like to feed 14,000 people? What do they do? Just ring the doorbell? We're hungry. 14,000 of us. Every day, he possessed what seemed to be unending knowledge. We know from outside sources other than the Bible that he wrote 3,000 works of profound truths. Seven to 900 are recorded in our Old Testament. He wrote over 1,000 songs. He was said to be the wisest of the wise. He ate the finest food. He possessed all the expensive items of gold and silver. And he surrounded himself with literally hundreds of beautiful women across the land. And yet he gets to the end of his life after having had all of this. And he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11, everything I look for in pleasure, good or bad, under the sun was a chasing after the wind. It's a Hebrew word that means the harder you pursue something, the more it eludes you. Why is it? that the Bible repeatedly reminds us that money and stuff will never bring us the satisfaction that God can, and yet there's a lady who lives in total abject poverty in Zimbabwe who gets that, and we who live in the affluent West don't. Notice I said we. We. That means you and me. Us. Uh, Can I talk to you? I talked to you about Joseph last week. Can I mention about Jacob this week? Not that Jacob. The other Jacob. (laughs) Jacob and Rachel. Yeah. Remember what happened to Jacob? Jacob's daddy didn't love him. He he grew up in a time of primogeniture. So Jacob wasn't the oldest, so he was kind of put on the back burner, and that that put a hole in his heart. Same hole some of you had because of your relationship with your mom and dad. But he tried to meet that the wrong way. He tried to steal the birthright from Esau. Instead, Esau wants to kill him, and his father dies of a broken heart. He runs away to live with Uncle Laban. He sees Rachel. He's enamored. He says, man, now if I can just, you know, first if it was I get the birthright, now if I can just get the girl... And then he got the girl, and he hit her sister too. It's in the Bible, Rachel, Leah. And then he says, if I can just get that land. And then he got the land too. If I can just get those goods. He got the goods. He got everything. And still, he can't fill the void in his life. And then you know what happens? Somewhere along this whole process, God shows up, and he wrestles God. And the reason God shows up is he's trying to teach Jacob a lesson. That is, Jacob, everything you're striving to get through illegitimate means... I was going to give you anyway. You're going about it the wrong way. And the Bible says, then the man said after the wrestling match, your name will no longer be called Jacob, which means wrestling with men, but Israel, which means to wrestle with God, because you have struggled with God and man and have overcome. He overcame. I mean, I looked at that and thought, wait a minute, Jacob wrestled God and won? That's quite a resume. One knockout. I knocked out God. You know, who's going to fight the guy who knocked out God, you know? That's not what it means, obviously. He overcame something inside him, and it was this. He overcame the lie that all of these things would fill the void in his heart. And he gave everything over to God, and it changed his life. And then in Genesis 31, 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. He's walking away from the fight. The sun rises above him, and he was limping because of his hip, Tim Keller, in commentary on this passage, says he might have been limping, but he was limping with a smile because he had given everything over to God. Now, here's why I tell you this. You and I have a hard time learning this lesson 
And so you and I treat money like we do food. Uh, do any of you eat, not when you're hungry, but for a different reason? Yeah. Do you ever eat when you're depressed just to get a little food high, right? You know, I like the t-shirt that says, hand over the chocolate, nobody gets hurt. Everybody has a food that heals your depression, or at least you think so. Mine is chocolate-covered raisins, if any of you want to know. <laughs> but we tend to, when we get depressed, to use food like a drug, like a high. And we'll go to the fridge and grab some ice cream, not because we're hungry, just because we want to feel good. I do the same. You say, yeah, sure you do. Look at you. What do you know about that? Hey, I know everything about that. The reason I run 15, 20 miles a week is not because I like running, so I can go to the fridge and eat the ice cream. It's the only reason I run. Now, we do the same thing with money. It's a sad thing. But in affluent West, we purchase things because it gives us a temporary high. We feel good. You know how I know this? Yeah. They just opened up a new golfsmith just below my house. <laughs> now, for you guys who are non-golfers, this is not Dick Sporting Goods or the Big Five, folks. This is Golf Smith. This is the mecca of golf right here. It's where golfers go to worship. There are five hitting bays that you can hit every new club known to man. And it'll tell you your club head speed. It'll tell you trajectory. It'll tell you everything. And you can just keep hitting clubs until the club is right for you. They have a putting green that seems like to me it's about as big as this auditorium. It's not probably about as big as one side of it. You can try every putter known to man. There's like five or six holes that you can just keep putting to, to find the one that works. There's long, there's short, there's all. Now, let me ask you something. It's been open a couple of weeks. How many times do you think I've come home after a hard day's work? Rob is not home yet. And I'm thinking, oh man, I've had a tough day. I'm tired. I'll go to Golf Smith. <laughs> and I'll walk in there, the smell of golf equipment. And I just walk, and I'm, I'm so happy because I could buy something. Now, usually, the I, I, only thing I buy is a bag of teas. But I bought a bag of teas. <laughs> I've got a bag of teas. They're mine. I own them. <laughs> and you feel good, don't you? See, one of the problems with you and me is this. It doesn't feel like you're spending money when you use this. But man, if you've got this and you're giving that away, it's like, ooh, you see it right there. This is different. And so I've got a friend of mine that's independently wealthy that 25 years ago started working in cash only. He has credit cards. He keeps them locked up in a safe at his home so that if he goes out and he sees a big screen television that he really wants right now, if he buys it, he's got to go home, get the credit card and come back. And on the journey, he says, nine times out of 10, I realize I don't really need this big screen TV. See, the bondage comes. It just comes later, right? When you get the credit card bill. And there's some people in the room right now that don't find this very funny because of the burden on their back right now. You use food and you use money in a way that it was never designed to be used, which means we use it illegitimately to give us something we think that will fill the void of the hole in our heart, even if it's temporary. Line number three, quickly. All the church wants is money. Now, I have to use this one because this is what a lot of people think. Uh, Stumpy and Martha, they go to the state fair. And uh, Stumpy says, who would name their son Stumpy, by the way? Stumpy says, Martha, I want to go up there in that there airplane. I think it would be fun to see the world from a different perspective. And Martha says, I know you want to go, Stumpy, but it costs $50. And $50 is $50. <laughs> 
And so they, 10 years later, they go back to the state fair. Stumpy says again, Martha, I want to ride the airplane this time. I want to go up. I want to see the world from that vantage point. Martha says, I know you do, Stumpy, but it costs $50 and $50, $50. So he finally comes back when he's 72 years old. He says, Martha, if I don't go up in that airplane this year, there may not ever be another opportunity. This is my last one, please. And Martha says, Stumpy, I know you want to go, but it costs $50 and $50 is $50. The pilot overheard the conversation. He came over to Martha and Stumpy and he said, I'll take you guys up. And after the fl- during the flight, if you can refrain from making any sounds, any noise, or saying one word, it'll be free. But if you make a sound, it's going to cost you $50. So they agreed. They jumped in the airplane and went up in the air. They didn't make a sound. And the pilot started doing twists and turns and rolls and dives. Twists and turns and rolls and dives. He looks back, no sound. He goes through this about three times. After the third time of twists and turns and rolls and dives, he looks back and he sees Stumpy's... He's, he's just mesmerized that no one made any sound. I mean, these are death-defying kind of uh, tricks in an airplane. And he looks back and he, he says, man, I'm amazed, Stumpy. You didn't make a sound. He says, well, I thought about making a sound when Martha fell out, but $50 is $50. <laughs> the point is that we get really, really defensive when it comes to money because $50 is $50. Now, here's the problem. The church has done a great injustice by not talking about money. Uh, and the only time we tend to talk about it is when we need it. And the reason you need to talk about when you're not trying to raise funds is because there's something special in the Bible. How many of you know Sean Hyman? Anybody? Sean Hyman is a, is a, uh, a regular guest on Fox Business, on CNBC, on Bloomberg Television. He has an uncanny ability to predict the stock market. I mean, he's amazed people. They, they've used words like miraculous. Uh, he predicted that Best Buy stock would drop to $11 a share then it would quickly rebound to $25 a share, and then over the next 12 months would go all the way up to $44 a share. The other financial contributor on the show actually mocked him and laughed at him. But of course, Sean had the last laugh. Best Buy did drop to $11.20 a share, then it rebounded all the way to $42 a share, a 360% gain just as Sean predicted. Now, the thing about Sean is that you might not know is he's a former pastor. He's been so deep in debt that there was no way out to investing, to building substantial wealth. And Money Magazine asked him to reveal his financial secret, his response, the Bible. And now his video, The Bible Money Code, has gone viral. The church does not do its people a favor when it doesn't talk about money because it's afraid somebody's going to get mad and walk out. There was a guy who came to church. I think I was doing a giving series not too long ago. And as soon as I started preaching, he was sitting right back there. He got up and walked out. Somebody ran him down, talked to him. He said, this is the third time I've been here. And all three times your pastor has been talking about money. Now he'd come three times in the last two years. (laughs) See, that to me says more about him than it does about me. That means God obviously had a message for him. If the only time he came to church in two years, it was the same message. (laughs) Okay. Those are the lies, and by now you realize I can't do this all in one message, so it has two parts to it. So don't worry, you'll get out on time. Let me just mention three quick truths before I send you on your way. Let's go to the truth of what the Bible teaches. God is the one who determines how much money I have, not me. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength or the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Every time somebody says to me, I am a self-made man, I just want to laugh. 
And sometimes I'll have somebody say, what do you mean, Pastor Jeff, that everything I have comes from God? I built my empire with my own two hands. And I say, who gave you your own two hands? <laughs> but it's my talent. My, who gave you your talent and ability? You know, some people just have an uncanny ability to make money. Don't you hate those guys? No, just kidding. But they do. They have, not all of us have that gift, do we? Some people do. It's a gift from God. But the question is, what are you doing with that gift God gave you? What are you doing with it? And the Bible says nobody's a self-made man. And the only way to financial freedom out of financial bondage is when you have an attitude change to recall the truth that God is the one. Everything comes from him. Here's the second truth. God has the power to shut down my company, my business, and dry up my resources or source of income at a moment's notice. You say, well, why would God do that? That's not the point. The point is that you acknowledge God has that ability. Nebuchadnezzar found that out when he thought he had built his kingdom and empire by his own two hands. So in one instant, you see him on the roof of the house strutting his stuff, and in the next minute, he's digging through garbage cans trying to find food because God is the one who lifts up and who causes to bring down and the fact is, too many of us worry about the economy or stock market. Somebody has said, the economy is half the problem in life. It's not so hard to earn money as it is to spend it well. <laughs> you want to get on the road to financial freedom. It starts by a change of attitude, by wanting genuinely to honor God in this area of your life. Now, let me say it again. If you choose not to, he loves you. Did you know that? There's nothing happening inside you or outside you that's going to change that. He loves you. But man, if you choose to go out without God, don't you dare complain or blame God for the predicament you're in. Proverbs 3 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Beautiful passage that tells you this. You can choose. You can go at it without God or with God and both roads have a destination. One is preferred, one is not. Truth three and final. Giving to God is the starting place out of my financial bondage. That looks ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, it's like going, I've have, you know, I'm out of money, I need help. Okay, give. <laughs> but Jesus does something very unique in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He shows you that you already believe that in other areas. Now apply that same thing to money. He says, given it'll be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, okay, you already get the principle that if you're the kind of person that gives mercy and you give it generously, the chances are when you come to a point in your life when you need mercy from somebody else, you're going to get it. If you're the kind of person that generously gives forgiveness, there's going to come a time in your life you're going to need to be forgiven. If you're that kind of person, chances are high, you're going to get a lot of forgiveness. If you're the kind of person that gives a lot of grace to people, just a lot of grace, and the time comes in your life, and it will, that you need grace, chances are it's going to be pouring into your lap. And what he means by that, in the Old Testament, when you had an excess of grain, you had to get another robe to carry the grain in. Jesus is saying that same principle. Look, if you don't give grace, and you don't give mercy, and you don't give forgiveness, chances are when you need it, you're not going to get it. It's just the cycle of life, man. It's reaping and sowing. It's the way the universe works. And Jesus says, now I want you to apply the same thing to your money. If you're generous, if you're generous, then the chances are when you get in a time of need, it's going to be running over, pouring into your lap. And it all starts when you change your attitude and you recognize the place from where everything ultimately comes. Now, what the devil will do is when you get in a bad situation financially, he will give you quick ways to get out 
that look good, but ultimately you'll just dig yourself deeper and deeper. One of my favorite cartoons is Snoopy. Dear IRS, I am writing to you to cancel my subscription. Please remove my name from your mailing list. You got to love Snoopy. You're not going to get yourself into financial freedom by tax evasion. You won't. Sooner or later, your sins will find you out. You're not going to be able to steal your way to financial freedom by falsifying expense reports. You're not going to be like my dog Milo who thinks if you beg, you get whatever you want. You're not going to beg your way to financial freedom through cardboard signs, through your relatives, or through the church. All three... You may get gifts, and it's good that you get gifts, but ultimately it won't bring you out of financial bondage. It just delays it for a little longer. You will not gamble your way to financial freedom. The house always wins. You may win some small battles, but you'll lose the war. Las Vegas won't do it. You will not borrow your way to financial freedom. Ask anybody who's consolidated their loans what it actually did in the end. The only way to financial freedom is to trust God and give faithful. And here's what he says. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that, and this is so crucial, so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You hear what he's saying? See, if your motivation is to employ these principles I'm gonna give you in the coming weeks so that you can get more and more wealth to spend on yourself, you're on the wrong road. You're on the wrong road. But if your motivation is, man, I would love to be financially independent so that I could be so generous to do things that need to be done in this earth, then God sees your heart. He says, wow, that's your attitude? Okay, watch out. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. But you can't fool God. He knows your heart and he knows the future. He knows what you'll really do if he increases if he increases your income or increases your finance or or has more of the blessings come your way. Uh, Do you know know what makes the dead see the dead see? Because it's all the time receiving, but never giving out. So there's no replenishment and it's dead. My daughter, Sion, if you, uh, you look at this picture, how could something like that do what she did when she was a little girl. She had a dilemma. Clean my room or invite my friends over. In other words, she hated cleaning her room. And when I told her to clean her room, she thought it was binding. The problem she had was that she loved to have her friends over, but she couldn't have them over in the pigsty she had of a room. I mean, it was, it, it was horrible. And no matter how many times I'd say, Sion, go clean your room, she couldn't get it through her thick head that I was actually trying to free her, not bind her. So she would go running down the hall. I'd say, Sion, come here. And she'd come out. I'd say, you need to go clean your room. She would turn right around. I'm talking when she was like five or six years old. She would put her hands on her ears and go, la, 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 I'm not listening, la, 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 la. And that's what a lot of you do with God in this area. You just don't want to know. And you know what? God loves you. Still loves you. God still loves you. But if you're going to go at it on your own, you're going to go at it on your own. Psalm 84, 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And Martin Luther said, three conversions need to take place in the heart of every person. The conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the wallet. When those three things happen, imagine Martin Luther that long ago, When those three things happen, you're on the road to freedom.
Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word and just getting started in this, something that debilitates so many relationships, uh, young marrieds, uh, just business relationships, just money has such a power over us to possess us and to take us down a road that never leads to life, that never leads to the abundant living, that never leads to freedom, but bondage and more bondage. I pray right now in Jesus' name that our eyes would have been opened, and as we praise and worship you, that we would do so in reminding ourselves that there's great freedom in you. And what looks like binding, when we engage in the relationship and trust you, the freedom comes. And for those of us who've experienced that, man, oh, it's such a blessing, such a pleasure. And I pray that our faith would be contagious on those who are struggling. And no matter how deep they are, you would help them see there is a way out. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.